Hello, I'm Morgan Rhodes. And I'm Jocelyn Brown. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock. You know, their slam dunk, their favorite jam. Today, we'll be jumping into heat waves too hot to handle. Always and forever, each moment with you is just like a dream to me that somehow came true. Dayton, Ohio's nickname is Gem City, a nickname referred to by the great Paul Lawrence Dunbar in his poem, A Toast to Dayton. In it, he writes, quote, She should ever claim our duty, for she shines, the brightest gem that is ever decked with beauty, dear Ohio's diadem, end quote. Dayton produced a great many gems where funk music is concerned. Bands like Fazo and Lakeside, Aura and Zap, the Ohio Players, and Heatwave. Heatwave, a melting pot of a musician's core, released their debut album, Too Hot to Handle, in 1976, a year after they were formed. The album, Dance Floor Ready and Soundtrack Approved, showcased the mellifluous falsetto of Johnny Wilder, the melange of genres that combined to create the sound of the band, and their resident sonic scientist slash stylist, Rod Temperton. The album, a futuristic, ethereal, soul-drenched experience, plays outside the traditional funk sandboxes, but also well represents what is true about funk, its syncopation, its groove. This album also shows itself to be tender. If the only song you know from Too Hot to Handle is Always and Forever, then consider yourself blessed. Simply put, it's one of the greatest love songs ever written. What makes this song a treasure is what also makes this album a treasure. Thoughtfulness and intentionality as it relates to arrangements, musicianship that competes with vocals for your attention in the song. On the song Show Enough It Must Be Love, Wilder sings, it's the simple things that blow my mind away. The series of mind-blowing decisions Rod Temperton and the band made on this album, like sequencing, and a purposeful decision to start a disco track with a harp, or including a song about parental discipline, which actually bumps, by the way, these are the things that make that thing that Heatwave did on the album so fresh, so genius, so memorable, such a gift. Though Central Heating might be the preferred classic, this one is where it all started 45 years ago. This album endures, and what I've learned about it in the time since mirrors something I've learned in life, that it's entirely possible to be ice cold and too hot to handle at the same damn time. Too Hot to Handle is a heat rock. Too Hot to Handle was the album pick of our guest today, Steve Arrington. Steve Arrington is a singer, songwriter, percussionist, producer, and minister. Steve earned his bona fides as a percussionist under the tutelage of the legendary Escoveda family and is perhaps best known as the primary vocalist for the band Slave. Hailing from Dayton, Ohio, the band had several hits, among them Just a Touch of Love and my personal favorite, Watching You. You've got everything moving in time. 
1982, Steve formed the group Steve Arrington's Hall of Fame, pinning one of the all-time best motivational jams, Nobody Can Be You But You. The whole world's a stage, and no one else can play your part. Opting to go solo on his next album, Steve penned even more hits, Feel So Real and Dancing in the Key of Life, and soon found himself nominated as the NAACP Male Artist of the Year in 1986. Shortly thereafter, he paused for several years to explore his spirituality and build a new life as a minister. His work found a new generation of listeners when he began working with renowned record label Stone's Throw. In 2013, he released an album produced by Dame Funk, Higher. Steve recently released Down to the Lowest Terms, The Soul Sessions, a project that he envisioned in his younger years and created with younger producers who have inspired him, among them Mindsign and Devin Morrison. His artistry continues to be innovative and a source of positivity, something that we all can appreciate right now. Steve Arrington, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you. Thank you, Jocelyn. It's great to be here. Uh, it's good to see everybody. I'm looking forward to doing this. We're Indeed. glad you're here. So Dayton, Ohio is known by some music fans as the center of the funk universe. I have to imagine that you might have crossed paths with, say, the Wilder Brothers at some point or, and many others. What was your introduction to Heatwave's music and how did this album come to be a part of your listening life? Wow. In Dayton... A bunch of great groups all came up together. Heat Wave being one of them. Slave, the Ohio Players, Lakeside, Zap, Vanessa Williams. So much music in Dayton in the uh, 70s, late 60s, 70s through the 80s. Heat Wave was so interesting. They were a little older than I was. They were about the same age as the players. You heard the names of these guys and, you know, you saw them playing locally. And I remember listening to the radio, 77, and uh, Boogie Nights came on. And I'm like, yo, man, what's with this harp and like this jazz thing? Boogie Nights. And all of a sudden it dropped. I was like, oh, no, nah, man, who is this? And found out <laughs> it was Heat Wave. The Wilder Brothers have hooked up with some cats over in Europe and created this whole new sound. That's the thing about Dayton. All these different artists, none of the music sounded the same at all. So Heat Wave held it down as one of the greatest groups from Dayton. And at that time, for me, they were one of the greatest groups in the world. What about your introduction to, uh, to Heat Wave, uh, JB? Honestly, it, it came as a result of hearing them on the radio. And, and, you know, you do the thing with your family members where you're all having fun and dancing together in the living room and... You know, Boogie Nights was kind of the thing that that I remember hearing most often come on. And I just I loved that there were so many different things happening melodically within that song. And and they became a favorite early on for me for that reason. Morgan, how about you? I think my introduction to uh, Heat Wave was very similar. Growing up in L.A., 
I first heard uh, Boogie Nights as part of a dance routine. The kids danced to at school, so like a middle school gymnasium thing. And it was like a young pop locking crew because pop locking was really the thing. And so between that and Groove Line, um, you know, Heat Wave was, was a staple. And to that point, Steve, I have to say, for all these years, I swore you were from L.A. Because your songs, your sound, um, Slave and Hall of Fame, uh, all of those are just so, just to touch a love stone jam, all of those so specific to me growing up in L.A. So for all these years, I was like, oh, yeah, he's from, I mean, I really claimed you as a native Angelino <laughs> for all these years. But but um, also by comparison, Heat Waves music so specific um, to L.A. culture, L.A. dance culture, pop locking and cruise and lowrider culture. So, so that was my introduction to Heat Wave. I was going to say what's interesting is, uh, when I left high school, I went out to the Bay Area and played with the Escovito mm. family. So the Bay Area claims me as one of their own as well. So I'm not all the way to <laughs> L.A., but I got close. <laughs> we all claiming you out here. I hope you don't mind that. It's oh, coming from it. a place I of love, love for sure. So let's let's talk about Dayton a little bit more. We know that groups like the Ohio Players and Lakeside had been around, and then Fazo and Aura came a little after Slave's debut. Can you tell me how coming up with other contemporaries during that time period might have helped you to find your own distinct sound? Well, we used to do Battle of the Bands and talent shows. They were legendary because Dayton is a small town, really. The area in which all these artists and groups come from is very small. And we would see each other at these talent shows in Battle of the Bands. Um, and sometimes the lines would wrap around the school. But Dayton, when the Ohio players hit and they were so funky, we all was like, we can do it too. We weren't going to try and sound like the Ohio players but we were inspired to be innovative in our own way, like the Ohio players. So when I heard Sugarfoot and those guys, and then you heard Zap, and everybody was so different, it was important that, you know, the guys in Slave, which is the camp that I came up in, we had to have our own style and our own sound as well. And I think that's one of the great things about Dayton, is you have all these artists you mentioned, Aura and, and Faso and everyone Everybody had their own style. Um, and that's pretty unique for as small of a town that it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very different mm -hmm. from some of the other great uh, movements that's happened in black music. Uh, it's not a producer-driven music like a lot of what was going on in Motown or a certain songwriter or a songwriting team. Dayton, it was just dudes in the garage getting it in. When this album came out, I was really young. I'm not going to get into specifics of how young or old I was, but I was young. But too too young to actually purchase the album. This was my uncle's album. So I wanted to ask, do you remember 
the first time you heard this album, do you remember even buying this album or how you came to own this album, have the album in your possession? Well, I don't remember exactly when I purchased it. I just remember that I was so excited about another group that had come out of Dayton that was so unique. Uh, So the first thing that drew me going to the record store was the record of the actual album cover. I'm like, too hot to handle. The record is melting on the curve. (laughs) This is going to be crazy. (laughs) The album cover is nuts. And it and it backs it up. It sounds too hot to handle. When you get through with that, you go like, yo, man, Johnny and them was dead on it on that because that record's crazy. And then it has this sort of it has an artsy vibe with uh, the guy that uh, has that the handlebar mustache. Great artist from back in the day. Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali. (laughs) If you look at that album, the way it melts, it almost has a Salvador Dali quality to it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I bought it, and then I just looked at the album cover the whole time I was listening to it. And um, being that at the same time, Slave had just come out with Slide in Mm -hmm. 77 Mm. as well. So I was hoping that we would, you know, be doing tour dates. Now, I hadn't joined the group at that time, but I knew if they were going to be on the road and I hoped I'd see them on the road together, I didn't join Slave until the third album on the concept. So my whole thing was to see some of these dating groups on the same shows together. And of course, that happened later on uh, on many shows together as time went on. But yeah. That album cover did be, I was done. <laughs> it is a great album cover, I have yeah. to say. And uh, for those that are that are tuning in, um, when you have a chance to listen to this, you know, stop the recording and have, just spend some time uh, with, with, with the album artwork. It is really beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about Heat Wave and what made them distinct from other funk bands and this particularly this album. To me, the short answer is Rod Temperton. In Rod, you certainly had a songwriter and a composer who thought bigger, who thought outside outside of the box, who brought something very dramatic and cinematic to the production, very distinct. You know Rod Temperton arrangements when you hear them, and you hear them prevalently here in other places. In your opinion, what else distinguishes Heat Wave from other funk bands of that era or from other funk, funk bands from, from Ohio? What makes them different? Well, their funk is not heavy raw like some of the other bands. Their funk is implied more than it is like stomping and in your face, influenced by P-Funk. You know, it's not that kind of thing. Yet, it's still funky, but it's in a fresh kind of interesting new way. It has a pop sensibility to it, but you can tell they're not trying to. It's not, we got to make sure it sounds this way so we can get a pop thing jumping off. It's just what it was. One of the other things is if you listen to the synths that they used in the bass and, and, and the different tones, they weren't using like the mini Moog, basic mini Moog bass sounds like you would hear on a P-Funk record, for instance, that Bernie Worrell would play. The tones they chose were very unique. 
Um, and then I would hear, so I grew up listening to art rock as well. So I dug Yes, and I dug um, Gentle Giant. Mm. And I would hear some of that type of influence in what they were doing on Rod's writing. And also the way Johnny approached uh, the colors of the backgrounds, the actual tones. And I think that's another thing that made them unique is the writing was there, but then the way Johnny and Keith their tone quality with Rod's sound and style, it was just perfect together. Um, and then, like I said, they used other things, like this one song has a gentle giant sort of intro to it. Um, nobody else was doing that kind of stuff. And I just thought all those things coming together just made a whole new sound. I, that's what I think they developed a whole new thing. What do you guys think? Well, I was going to say, I think what, what makes them, as I said, what makes them distinct is is Rod Temperton and what he brought to it. But also, I think there's a lot of elements there besides funk, as you mentioned, um, obviously, art rock, uh, Brit rock, gentle giant influences, but but funk, but soul and disco, which it, it made me move. You know, these albums made me move that they they had other elements in terms of tempo um, that that made them sort of distinct, and that in places where I expect uh, funk to be so horn heavy, that there were other instruments that stepped up to the forefront, particularly on this album, strings and harp and 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 other elements that made it that made it made the sound so lush and made it so sweeping. So on both this and Central Heating, um, there's just a lushness that I think separates them, makes them distinct. Um, in their production and in their sound than other than other funk bands. That's just my my opinion. I totally agree with that. Totally agree. You even had a little bit of jazz elements there. Like when you think about the very beginning of the track Boogie Nights and, and you're hearing that bass and, and the gentlemen harmonizing together so effectively, there's like a slow creeping jazz boogie element there that you just didn't really hear on other albums during that time, especially not soul and funk albums. And and I love that level of dexterity and, and craft. In your experiences with listening to this album and into the group overall, are there certain things that stand out more to you now as a listener and as a creator than they did early on when you were listening? Yes, the arrangements and what uh, we are talking about earlier as far as the strings and mm -hmm. the horns, how they used them. It was, it was more like a Burt Bacharach kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It had much more of a L.A., big city New York Times Square Broadway big city element to it but it wasn't trying to that's the thing about it that I dug so much it had all these elements but it wasn't forced it was just that's who they were and yeah. I was listening to um, Lay It On Me 
the strings and the horns and just the melody, how haunting the melody is on the chorus. It's like nobody was doing that kind of stuff, bringing it all together. It almost sounded like, wow, this is like sound movie soundtrack music. I think Heatwave is one of the most important bands um, that has happened after the reign of the mighty Ohio players in Earth, Wind, and Fire. Heatwave came and spoke a whole new way. Um, I don't think they get the credit for it as much because Rod's writing so many people's like, yo, we got to get on this thing with this Rod Temperton dude. And then off the wall happened with Michael Jackson. And mm. Michael sort of took that sound um, and put his magic and his greatness to it. Um, and then it sort of moved over into Michael Jackson. And you didn't yeah. forget about Heat Wave, but had that sound stayed with them, had Johnny not been hurt uh, in the car accident, perhaps that sound would have been more connected to Heat Wave for a longer time. I want to talk about the Wilder falsetto mm. because we talk often about falsettos and the falsetto hall of fame, right? Uh, you could, you know, talk to different people about their top five or who'd be included, right? So if there was a falsetto hall of fame for me, you'd have to have Philip Bailey in there. You'd have to have Eddie Kendricks. You'd have to have Smokey Robinson. You'd have to have Prince. You'd have to have Ted Wiz Mills. But I think we don't spend enough time talking about Johnny Wilder and what was so specific about not just his vocals, but his falsetto. So if you could, your impressions of his voice and what his voice gave to the texture of some of these songs to make them great. His falsetto, I believed it. I believed what he's saying. He always painted a picture and I could follow the story. And his tone and his delivery with his falsetto, they really connected well with the, the lyric that he was singing. Philip Bailey has that. The other greats, Eddie Kendricks, have that. Prince has that. Russell Tompkins' stylistics, he has that. Mm -hmm. But Johnny Wilder has it too. He has a creamy falsetto. It's just so round and rich and creamy. Um, all you do is dial the whole verse. The first verse da do da da do dang da da da. Oh, I don't even want to go there. It's just too beautiful. <laughs> Tell me anybody's falsetto more creamier than his. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's to that end. Can we hear Christian? Can you play us a little bit of um, of All You Do Is Dial? This is actually one of my favorites from the album. So if you could play some of that. Heatwave in general has so many songs that are central to my experience, not just growing up, but growing up as a black girl. 
Um, Heat Wave is black. Heat Wave belongs to black folks, right? All their songs were played on black radio stations. Uh, I could fully expect to hear some of these jams at the barbecues, at the family reunions, at the get-together. It's black. Heat Wave is black, no question. On top of that, I think Heat Wave did a lot to introduce slang and lexicon into my ears. I can't remember hearing the phrase, ain't no half-stepping, until Heat Wave. And then everybody said it. My grandmother would say it. If I tried to cut corners, she'd be like, well, you know, ain't no half-stepping. This is a thing that I that I grew up learning. Can we talk a, a little bit about Heat Wave's influence on Black culture? It's classy. It's still hood. Beat your booty. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't been doing your duty, it speaks yes. to family. And there's a wonderment in their music. There's a there's there's a place to sit in and dream with them. They have something about their music that you could be in your room by yourself and lay on your bed and have the window open. And it's a beautiful night and you can du- just daydream. I don't care how old you are. You can just dream. They have that kind of quality. I think that's very important to what they put to the hood, what they gave me. And when you listen to that music today, it still holds up. It has a quality of hope, love, and dream to it. Um, And I think that's very unique to them. Songs on here like Show Enough Must Be Love, um, like you said, I'll Beat Your Booty, which is a, a creative way to, to say train up a child, you know, uh, but it 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 has those elements of um, looking back on when I was a nappy headed boy. It has those elements. I think Super Soul Sister, I think they say something like she tasted like sweet potato pie. And I kept thinking, Rod Temperton, you wrote this? That came out of your pen? <laughs> but, but, what, but whatever the case, uh, it is it is very, very it's very, very black. And outside of that, I think we just needed this. We, you know, at the time they came along, we needed this. Black radio, um, and even on the Art LeBeau show, you could always hear Heat Wave. They're just a staple. They're a staple of, of the black experience. Another song that uh, I think underscores this point is Slip Your Disc to This. Just the slang, just the language of Heat Wave is, I think, something that they, uh, what makes this this band so beautiful is it's something that they introduced into into culture. It's not just a uh their their take on funk uh but but their semantics um around around this album get the feeling flip your head lift the ceiling got to get right down to it We will be back with more of our conversation with Steve Arrington on Heat Wave's iconic Too Hot to Handle after a brief word from our sibling, Max Fun Podcasts. Don't go anywhere. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. 
And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. (laughs) Or we can just talk about it on the show. Ono, Ross, and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. Interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. We're back on Heat Rocks, talking heat waves too hot to handle with Steve Arrington. You know, I don't think that we can talk about this album without mentioning Rod Temperton's extraordinary run of work alongside Quincy Jones and all of the amazing works he had had a hand in shaping during this period. You know, we think about Michael Jackson's Rock With You and Thriller, George Benson's Give Me the Night, the list goes on. As a musician, producer, and arranger, what do you think made his work unique, and did it influence the way that you create in any way? Well, I'm a firm believer in songwriting. The songwriting was superb, and the songwriting hit you in your spirit. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, the songs never felt like little ditties. Oh, that's a no. nice mm-hmm. little ditty. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with a nice little ditty. But he had such depth to his songwriting. Um, and Johnny was able to capture all that with his, with his voice in Keith. Um, so th- the blend of that, if you have the strong songwriting, then you can, you can color it and package it any way that you want to. For me, he was one of the best songwriters ever, period. Bar none. I don't care. You can call. We talking about Rodgers and Hammerstein. I, I don't <laughs> care which way you go with it. His songwriting is second to none. Rod Temperton is one of those songwriters that, you know, for lack of a better way for me to say it, always has left me feeling greedy. Like, I always want there to be more work to listen to. The minute I start listening to anything of his, I automatically start seeking out other things, other things, other things. And I just can't get enough of his sound. And and that speaks to the level of care and consideration he took in all of his songs and and work. And, And being able to listen to full works of his with Heatwave, for me as a listener, is a treat. Um... Morgan, how about you? Well, a couple of things about Rod Temperton. First, uh, he reminds me of uh, of the famed costume designer Ruth Carter because of his inc- intricacy and his attention to detail. He thought of, of everything. Uh, he arranges um, in the mind of a dancer, even on the slow jams. It's as if Rod Temperton knew that whatever tempo this is written and arranged to, you are going to be dancing, whether it's slow and intimate, like Always and Forever, or fast, like Boogie Nights. He thought of everything. One thing that's common in all of his work is layers. There are layers to this thing. And if we could, I want you guys to hear 
actually his demo for Rock With You. It's his demo and his voice. We know what uh, Rock With You became, but I just want you to hear what Rod Temperton created from the beginning. You know, we came across a lot of interviews where um, people were saying, you know, Rod Temperton couldn't sing, but he could do everything else. And in my mind, uh, Rod Temperton didn't need to sing because he did everything else. Um, As we were preparing for this, we also came across a clip of legendary uh, pianist Greg Gaines talking about what was special about Rod Temperton. He was just a brilliant guy. And and his methodology for songwriting, oh my, let me tell you, this guy was a consummate songwriter. This guy, in the creation of one song, would come up with 200 titles. Just freaking titles. 200 of them, just so he can pare down and finally nail one to start a concept with. That's just a song title. He hadn't written a note yet. I'm just going to just come up with options for song titles. Everything is of painstaking detail. And all the little uh, uh, layers and details of parts, he came up with all of them. It's not like we were improvising. Every part came from him and we were duplicating it. Like all the little parts to Thriller and with all the multi-layers of of, uh, sounds and parts, that all came from him. And that was for every song. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Rod Temperton was a game changer um, on many, many levels and for a great many artists. But if I could ask, what do you think his special contribution is to the sound of Heatwave or the sound of this album? What did he bring? I think he brought his essence. I think his essence was love. His essence was beauty. And I think that he did not hold it back, not one iota. He completely was able to tap into that. And the ability to tap into the deepest regions of that love and beauty isn't easy to do, but he was able to do it. And we've all been so blessed to hear it because when I listen to them, it takes me on a journey and the journey always ends off at a place that I'm glad I went. Well, we got to get into the specific tracks because this is what we do on this show. So we got to break down these these tracks. What's the fire track on this album, Steve? What is the one without question, the scorcher uh, from Too Hot to Handle? Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights just comes at you in an angle you'd never heard before. 
It had the disco. It had the artsy. It had the jazz. It had the funk. It had the vocals. It had the oddity. He had a fun part about the music, too. Heatwave's music, along with everything else we've been saying, it was also fun. I agree with those choices, but I also have to say, can it be anything else other than Ain't No Half-Stepping? The first 10 seconds of that song is just this cold groove. And it shifts into this melodic verse that we all know. There's that ominous flute coming in underneath yes. everything. And then just before the one minute mark, here comes that synth. It's just so crazy. And I respect it. I'll have to go with Steve on this one. I think Boogie Nights is the one. If I could only take one song off this album to listen to for the rest of my life, it might be Boogie Nights with my backup being always and forever. Um, First of all, I highly recommend that you listen to this song with your eyes closed. Um, I've been asked this question a lot about how do I know um, that I'm going to use a song for something. I listen to everything with my eyes closed. Boogie Nights is best experience with your eyes closed. Good things happen. When you begin a song with a harp, you end with strings, and you party in the middle. It's just got the making. It's it's just like a sonic sandwich. It's perfect, right? It feels analog and digital at the same time. It's progressive. It's futuristic. There's so much going on in the song before we even get to Ain't No Doubt, We Are Here to Party. Before you even get to that line, he has warmed you up so tough. And also the bass line. You know, I had to listen to it a few times before I realized the similarities between the baseline on this and the baseline on Off the Wall. And if you have the time, if you're listening to it, go back and listen, and you'll see the connective tissue. And what's the other connective tissue? Rod Temperton. Steve, what would you say your favorite musical moment is on this album? You know, maybe a space where you hear something different happen within an arrangement or or, or something that's going on with instrumentation. What would you say? It's too many to break it down to one. It's too many. It's just things that catch you off guard all over it. And none of the songs sound alike at all. They're totally different. 
I think for me, the overall concept of arranging in every way that they do it, I have to just say, you know what? I'm totally moved by it. If I had to, just had to, had to, going into the chorus mm-hmm. on All You Do Is Dial, when they go into that chorus mm. and the keyboard lead, boom, 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 the keyboard leads up into it, the little riff he plays going into it. And adore that song. I really love the strong way that Too Hot to Handle opens this album. You know, in that first 15 seconds, you're getting this really confident horn section stepping up, and there's this interplay with the synths that happen. That sets the tone for every other song that comes afterward to me. And it's so simple, but you find yourself thinking about it afterward. And and that's saying something because I agree with you, Steve. This album has so many good moments throughout. Morgan, how about you? Well, my favorite moment is the emotional and instrumental build that comes towards the end of Always and Forever. The song starts to soar. It's cinematic, it's dramatic, it's sublime, it is swoon. Whenever, as a little kid, we get to that song on the radio, everybody had permission to turn it up. Too good. Steve, what's a song from this album that you'd love to cover? Or which song would you use to introduce someone to this album if they had never heard it before? Mm. All You Do Is Dial would be a song I'd love to cover. Mm. I want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same, hardcore same. If I was to introduce someone to this album, if it was someone close to my age, it would be different than what I would to someone much younger. If they were much younger than me, I'm taking them to, to Boogie Nights because Boogie Nights just has so many elements. It covers so much ground. If I wanted someone that I would say was my age group or even higher, I would go with Always and Forever. Yes. Because it's perfect. Something I can't explain Just the things 
that you do And if you get lonely Phone me and take Those two can't go wrong in the right situation. As a, as an architect um, of funk, and I consider you one of the architects of funk, what do you think is Heatwave's legacy? For those that aren't familiar with the band and their catalog, what is it that you think that they offered to the world in terms of their music, and what's the lasting legacy? Heatwave brought the ability to reach down in your soul and deposit something real nice, real beautiful, friendly, fun, exciting, and they did it without trying to. Hmm. It's who they are. It's real. If you had to describe uh, Too Hot to Handle the album in three words, what would they be? Ain't no half step. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Usually at the end, we uh, leave our listeners with some albums to listen to if they like uh, this album. So if you like this week's album, what we're talking about, what should you check out next? And JB, I'll start with you. I'm going to say Ecstasy by the Ohio Players. Um, it has one of the best opening tracks on any album for my ears. And, and that track is almost impossible not to dance to. I've danced to it many times. Um but the other song on that album that is one of my favorites is I Want to Know, Do You Feel It? Um, it's probably one of my favorite songs to sing along to and slink around the living room to. <laughs> So good. So good. And like so many other bands from Dayton, Ohio, the funk, the harmonies, and the heart are all there up front. And there's some tenderness in there, too. I think that one of the things I like most about the Ohio players and that I also like about Heat Wave is that it's also always sounded to me like they really enjoyed making music with one another and that they had a lot of fun in the process. And that really comes through on that album. Morgan, how about you? I'd say you'd have to dial it back to 1980 and revisit Light Up the Night from L.A.'s own The Brothers Johnson. Uh, that's one of my favorite albums. It is a Rod Temperton thing of beauty. So you'll hear and experience all the layers. It's got all the right weaponry. DaCosta, Filling Gaines, Mary Clayton, uh, Sherry Payne, and Michael Jackson, all contributing background vocals. Understand my love with me, I'm ready. 
So perfect, Steve. Um, if people like this album, is there something else you'd want them to listen to next? Around the world in a day. Mm. Prince, around the world in a day. Because again, because of the songwriting and the unique arrangement perspectives to it. Yeah, that's what I would do. That's going to do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Steve Arrington. This has been so amazing to have you sit down with us and talk about uh, this legendary album. Can you tell us what you're working on now? Well, I've been working on some collabs. Um, I'm very excited about it, actually. Um, you know, I dropped my album down to the lowest terms, the Soul Sessions. And prior to that, I had did a song with uh, Thundercat tune called Black Qualls. Oh, yes. And uh, we've continued on with our relationship and we're doing a couple other joints. He sent me a couple tracks and um, doing a, a collab, doing a house collab uh, with uh, Roy Davis Jr. And I'm doing yes. uh, a joint uh, with uh, the homie Twilight Tone. And... Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm having a lot of fun doing some different things, some stuff with DJ Harrison. Um and working on my next joint as well, my next album. So I'm I've I'm having so much fun at 65. I'm I love the music the way I did at 16, and I'm having more fun now than even then if that's possible. Indeed. And where can people find you uh online? Well, you can hit me up on uh, Facebook, Steve Arrington uh, Music. You can hit me up on Twitter, Steve underscore Arrington. Instagram, the same, Steve underscore Arrington. I like to interact and I like to post. And, uh, yeah, I like to have fun with the social media thing as well. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.